eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. All right, it is uh, my pleasure and privilege now to introduce one of the, my favorite players who I ever covered. I covered him with the Yankees in the early 90s. I actually got to New York in 89, right after winning the World Series with the Dodgers, a, a miracle uh, Dodger win in that World Series. I think that ranks right there with the 69 Mets as uh, two of the most surprising and uh, fantastic World Series winners. So we're going to ask Steve Sachs, uh, about that and about the current Dodger team, and uh, it's just great timing to have Steve. Steve is also a 14-year career, five-time MLB All-Star, seven times, uh, he answered the bell, seven times, played in 155 games or more. That's amazing to me. Uh, incredible. Must have played and earned a lot. So uh, mm-hmm. incredible job. And now Steve Sachs, who is a fantastic talker, as you will See, uh, without that New York accent that I have, but a fantastic talker and uh, works uh, at MLB Network Radio now and does a terrific job for them. So welcome, Steve. It's great to have you, Tony Gwynn Jr., uh, alongside. Hey, guys. Nice to be with you, Tony Gwynn Jr. Good to be with with you. Um, John Heyman, I remember the days when you were uh, just a lonely little journalist covering the team. <laughs> and, uh, we had a lot of good times, a lot of fun there, uh, you know, playing ball and I know I, I respected your job and what you did, and you were always good at it. Yeah, Steve was fantastic with the with the journalists and uh, really respected us. And uh, he he he's a fun guy. I'll put it that way. I'd say along with Chili Davis, uh, yeah. right there at the top of my uh, the favorite guys I ever covered as as a big Thank guy. Uh, just you. terrific guy, terrific guy. So I, I got to ask you now. I mean, uh, the Dodgers are on the precipice. We they've been here before. Uh, it's been since 1988, so 32 years. Uh, you were a part of that team. Uh, you think this team does it? Can they put it over the top? And can you believe it's t- considering they've had a winning team in almost all of those years? It seems like, and it's yeah. certainly a contending team. Uh, they won the last. They won the division the last eight years in a row. I mean, right. it, it's about time, right? They're going to have to win yeah. this time, right? Sure, John. It's it's been such a long time, as you mentioned, since 1988. The- 
The team has been to the World Series three of the four last years. Uh, eight times consecutively, they've won the uh, the National League West. You'd think that uh, just by happenstance of being in there, they'd get in the way of uh, you know a couple of these uh, World Series victories, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, but this is a really good team right now, especially with the addition of Mookie Betts at the top of that order. Him and Seager have created uh, one of the best one-two tandems in all of baseball. You can look at, across the spectrum and talk about Albies and Acuna or maybe uh, Eaton and Turner. There's a few good ones, but uh, this one is amongst the best, especially when you've got a guy like Corey Seager that is just hotter than a firecracker right now. Um, this team is well-suited to score runs no matter who's pitching. So, so true, Steve. Uh, I, I got to ask you because you were part of the two World Series teams that the Dodgers have, have experienced, 81 and 88. Um, what do you, can you sum up what it would be like for or the significance of, uh, of a championship for the Los Angeles Dodgers? Oh, this would be amazing. Uh, th- those teams were vastly different when you talk about uh, the 81 and the 88 teams. The 81 team was marred by the uh, stoppages that we had and really had to convert that season into two different sessions uh, or two different seasons. And and uh, in doing so, you kind of alienated the best team in the National League, which was the Cincinnati Reds. They had the best record, and yet they weren't in postseason. So Dodgers got an opportunity to get in there. They made the most of it. But that 88 team was one that, as John pointed out, this was just a, a, a one in a million chance for us to win with the talent that we were putting up against the uh, the Mets, who beat us 10 of 11 during the regular season. One game was washed out that never got made up. Uh, and then, of course, against the Bash brothers and the, the Oakland A's, we had no chance based on personnel against theirs. Um, but we had great pitching. We had solid defense. And we had tremendous team unity, which, uh, you know, gets a bit underscored, I believe, in today's world. It's all based on numbers. That team was just laden with personalities and, and togetherness. And that's why we won. Yeah, I mean, I went back and looked at it. I think you won 94, 95 games. And then, of course, you beat the Mets in, in seven games. You had Hershiser going, pitching a shutout in, in game seven. Uh, then that big hit home run by Gibson that, that we will never forget. I, I was there for that. Um, I had the thankless task of interviewing Dennis Eckersley afterward, and he was terrific about it. But uh, it was uh, it was quite something. Um, but uh, did, did you guys, as you were going along, because I know when you played the Mets and you had lost 10 of 11, as we all recall now, uh, and looking back at the stats of your team, you had Gibson at 25 home runs, Marshall at 20. You had you at the top of the lineup, a good leadoff hitter. But beyond those three, you know, you had what looks like a lot of complimentary type players, uh, you know, obviously clutch players, guys who did a great job at the time. But did you guys going into that series? Because I thought at the beginning of that series you had no shot. Did, did you guys actually – think that you were going to win that series and the whole thing? Well, John, you know what? We we believed in ourselves, and we kept winning as the season went along, and we, we did it in a bunch of different ways. We really shored up our defense with John Shelby and Alfredo Griffin, two acquisitions that really shored up the middle part of our defense uh, in the center of the diamond. That made a big difference. We got Jay Howell, which made a big difference in the bullpen. Uh, we made the trade for John Tudor, which really helped us out a lot. Um so our team was built basically on defense and pitching. I mean, Kirk Gibson won the MVP that year with 25 home runs, and he drove in, uh, what, 90 runs, I think. That's it. He hit uh, hit about 290. Um, this was a That's a good half for Miguel Cabrera in his day, right? Gibby won the MVP, and uh, it was just a, a crazy thing where, you know, most pundits that year picked us to finish fifth – or I'm sorry, fourth in our division – and yet uh, we were able to go on and win the World Series. Uh, you know, hey, listen, we had guys like T. 
Tim uh, Tim Leary, who basically was commuting from Los Angeles to to Tijuana uh, in the winter time before the '88 season, learning to throw that split finger with more efficiency. Uh, and he did that. He would drive back and forth every week, pitch once a week. He wound up winning 17 games for us that year. But what for Tim Leary, we probably don't get into postseason. So it's things like that that really came full circle for us. Steve, I got to ask you, you stole 40 40 or more bases in six different seasons in your career. And just going back to last night's game, what did you think of Manny Margot's uh, attempt to steal home in that situation last night? Well, it was a real gutsy play. If he makes it, it's the greatest thing in the world. If it doesn't, he really got Clayton Kershaw off the hook. I mean, he was in trouble in that inning. He had first and third uh, with nobody out. He got a pop-up, then he struck out Willie Adamas with a backdoor curveball that he couldn't reach. Um, but he was still, you know, in a bit of hot water. And then when he tried to steal home there, I get the, uh, the what he was doing. Kershaw can't see him. He does that high, you know, over the, over the head with his hands. He timed it pretty good. But – Kershaw's no chump. I mean, he's been around and everybody yells, hey, step off. He's not going to panic and balk. He did it the right way. He throws the ball on target to, uh, uh, you know, at to home plate. And then he applies the tag. And, uh, you know, hey, if he makes it, it's a great move. But he really got Kershaw out of some hot water there. Uh, I'm glad uh, Tony uh, brought up the uh, the steal there, the attempted steal. I kind of jogged my thought here. Uh, you know, you played in a, even though it wasn't that long ago, it was a much different era. Um, you know, I don't have your stats right in front of me, but as Tony mentioned, you stole a lot of bases and you had a lot of attempts of steals too. And it doubles and triples. I think you had double digit home runs only once. Uh, that was typical of a leadoff hitter back then. Uh, you know, what do you think about the way the game has changed now where everybody's worried about launch angle. And I mean, even the Rays, we all admire the fact that they're there and doing it and could be the next 69 Mets if they pull it off or the 88 Dodgers if they pull it off. An incredible upset. Uh, They're even reliant on the home run. I mean, without a Rosarina and Lau home runs, you know, they're not scoring any runs. It's a different, it's a totally different game. What what do you, do you appreciate this game or do you think it was better before? I kind of like the excitement of the doubles, the triples and the stolen bases and I miss them. But what do you think? I, I do too, and and you know I don't want to be one of those guys that you know the further you get away from the game, the longer it's been, you know, the better you were. I think athletes are better. I think athletes are better today. They're 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 more uh, dynamic. They can they can run faster and they can hit the ball further and all that. So with that being said, I kind of like a blend of the two. Uh, I think the speed game's going to come back. We were talking to one of the scouts on MLB Network Radio the other day, uh, and uh, they said that they, they still covet the fact that guys can run fast and those athletic things that they do are going to be still important, which means that I think that the speed game is going to come back. Uh, there's something to be said about guys that can put pressure on the defense. I like the long ball. It's all fine. Uh, but I think working account just to get into the pitchers, uh, the depth of the pitchers, uh, you know, pitch count is is all where it's at. I don't think that's the case. Um, and I, I think that if you take two pitches right down the middle uh, just to get to a 3-2 count only to swing at a, you know, a, a, a pitch that's on the a, the edge of the plate, I don't like that idea. I think getting something you can drive, and even if it's early in the count, go ahead and do it because on-base percentage is fine, but an on-base percentage with no hit um, is really incomplete. You're just moving the you're moving the baton down the down the line and asking the next guy to do it. 
I think guys that have an on-base percentage that's uh, that's laden in doubles and triples and home runs is much more effective. But I get what they're doing. I understand why they're doing it. I just think it's a good blend of the two that makes it best. To- totally agree, uh, Steve. I, I want to change things up a little bit because uh, as a ball player, you've experienced one of the things that I think all ball players have, have, have a nightmare about, and that is getting some type of yips or, or, or having an issue throwing the ball. Uh, and we saw that a little bit uh, 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 with Altuve, and, and I saw I, I saw you I saw your quote on it. I, just explain to the people who, who've never experienced this what exactly is happening, and and then how do you really pull yourself out of it? Well, it's um, it, it's it's really um, you know in some ways very complex, in other ways it's it's as simple as a nose on your face. And I, when I went through that, remember I went through I had twenty four errors at the all-star break in 1983. I went through it for about two months and I was able to get over it. And the way I got over it uh, is another whole story. Uh, but let me just get to the, to, the, to the meat of this is when people were asking me about it in the middle of that, um, they said, you know, you got a mental block, uh, you know, this is this mental issue, uh, whatever. I can tell you that, that what Jose Altuve was going through, what I went through, what Dale Murphy went through, what, what lots of people go through, believe me. And I've had, I've had, I've had, private conversations with players uh, ducking into broom closets in stadiums that at, at the behest of the, the team asking me to talk to some of these guys uh, and so so much that they don't want the press or anybody else to know it. I would hide out and talk to players at the stadium about these issues, and I've helped some that have gotten over this. But it, it's, it's not about a mental issue. It's, it has nothing to do with the uh, you know, mental cognitivity or, or anything like that. It, it is simply a temporary loss of confidence that these guys go through because they can judge distances, they can speak clearly, they can drive a car, or they can they can they can reason. It's not anything to do with a mental incapacity or or a mental breakdown or anything. It, it, it's a it's a temporary loss of confidence that has manifested itself into this issue that you see about throwing the ball. Once the issue of gaining the confidence back, and this is done in practice. One step at a time. It's not an event. It's a process. And once you realize that you can deal with this and get over it by building the confidence back, this thing evaporates as fast as it came. Uh, and that's all that, that Jose Altuve is dealing with. If I were Jose Altuve, I'd be down in Florida right now arresting this problem, getting over it and not having to sleep with it and eat with it every minute of the day until next spring. I would go get this thing arrested right now so I can enjoy uh, my off season and go into spring training with a fresh mindset. I think that's what he needs to do. Maybe he should consult with you. You're you're the expert on it. You certainly got over it and played another mm-hmm. decade after that or more. So yeah, and, and John, remember when I went to New York, my first year in New York, I led the league in fielding at my position, and a lot of it was because I had Don Mattingly at first base. But but <laughs> nonetheless, my numbers were were definitely good enough to win the Gold Glove when you consider all the numbers, just the facts on paper. But I didn't win it because I was dragging along with me, you know, some some of that, uh, you know, some of those remembrances, if you will, of yeah. what happened in '83. But it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, you were fantastic in '89 with uh, your first year in uh, in New York. I think you hit 315. So I, I do recall that. Uh, you know what I want to ask you about now? You didn't. You saw mostly happy times with the Dodgers with the '81. You won the Rookie of the Year. You won a World Series, even if it was a strike-shortened uh, season. '88. You won that uh, with that miracle. 
uh, team. But uh, look, uh, Kenley Jansen, and, and I think he's getting a little bit of a bad break here because uh, he threw pretty good pitches. Uh, it was a blue pit. Uh, so, he, you know, he's had some rough times in the postseason. Uh, he's hearing it from the Dodger fans. You know, the Dodger fans have the reputation of being either laid back or beautiful Hollywood people. And I mean, that's what you see on TV. But my experience, and I don't know if you have the same experience, is that Dodger fans can be tough. I, I, how do you think they're going to handle it if they go to 32 years without a World Series championship? Oh, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some work for AM570 in L.A., which is the Dodger flagship. And we got some calls that come in and, and they listen, if it's one thing about being in the World Series, that's sometimes enough for some teams, uh, not for the Dodgers that have been there the last three or four years that have won the division. As we mentioned, the last eight years, they must win the uh, World Series or they're never going to hear the end of it. And believe me, the Dodger fans can be tough. They can be very tough. Don't let them fool you about the beach <laughs> and, and all that stuff. And, and so they need to win it. And I think they're in a good position to do it. Yeah, I'm with you. They they are a tough group. It's not all uh, Mary Hart in the front there or Rob Lowe. You know, there's more fans than than them. So, um, you know, the last thing I want to ask you before we let you go, Steve, is I I know you feel that they're going to do it this time. Uh, they do have kind of a bullpen game in six. Gonsolin was really good in the regular season, and you've got Bueller going after that. So you got to feel pretty good about it if you're a Dodger fan. What do you think? Why Why do you think they're going to win it? And uh, you think they'll win it in six or does it go to seven? I'm assuming well, you think they're going to win, but I, I shouldn't assume, I guess. What, what no, do you think no, is going to happen? I think they will. And I think I, I think that there's no way they should let this thing go to seven games. Absolutely no way. I Depending on the feel of the game and what happens, I, I don't think uh, you know the, you know they should think about Walker Bueller in game six. He should be absolutely reserved for game seven. They should have enough. Remember, when you talk about how great – the, the bullpen is for the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're really good, their bullpen. The Dodger bullpen actually was better than them during the regular right. season. The, the Oakland A's were first, the Dodgers were second, and Tampa was third as far as ERA goes. That Dodger bullpen was outstanding this year. So I think that they have enough. I think Tony Gonsolin's bound to have a good game. Um, you know, his uh, it's not a big sample size about what he's done the last couple of years. But he's definitely qualified. The guy can pitch. He's got a wipeout slider. If he can get strike one on this team and get it to a point where he's got two strikes on them, he can wipe him out with that with that great uh, – I'm sorry, it's a splitter. He can wipe him out with that great splitter of his. So we'll see what happens. I think he's due to have a good game, and everybody else is pretty much uh, all, all hands on deck for, for game six. And just to follow up, since we all have great faith in Bueller and, uh, you know, Josh Beckett had come back on three days rest and and was able to do it. And some really star pitchers have. Do you, do you think that they're taking a chance here by waiting till game seven? Because I, I, I do think there'll be a lot of pressure on them if they get to a game seven to win that game. Yeah, there, there will be. And like you said, John, correctly, anything can happen in a game seven. You know, a, a bad bounce, a, you know, a guy can come up and have a great game. You know, a one hung slider can be the biggest, uh, the big difference in the game. But uh, with what Bueller has for game seven, man, he's got some wipeout stuff. I think he can carry it and, and win, even if he doesn't have his good secondary stuff. You know, those blisters on his fingers have been really prohibiting him from getting on top of that slider and finishing it. But it seemed in his last outing, he was able to do just that, coupled with that exploding fastball out of his hand. It's an amazing uh, combination of pitches that he's got there. But I think they're going to save him completely for Game 7. But, again, they should have enough in Game 6 to do it. 
Well, very good, Steve. A fantastic job, and uh, you are an outstanding talker as well as a, a great leadoff hitter, and uh, we really appreciate your joining Tony wow. Gwynn and uh, me here on uh, Big Time uh, Baseball. So thank you very much, Steve. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.